0: I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today on The Detail, I'm at Ormanu Beach in Mount Maunganui, and it's a blustery, stormy, hot day, and I'm actually here to talk to Alan Mundy from Surf Lifesaving New Zealand about rescues and drownings. Uh, And as I'm standing on the beach, uh, there's a couple of lifeguards Standing here is someone with a jet ski and a kind of raft on it. The waves are pretty big here. Yeah, it's not the best conditions for swimming. Hi, I'm looking for Alan Mundy. Is he up? Uh, is Alan here. Upstairs. Up here? Yeah. Alan Mundy is Surf Life Saving New Zealand's National Search and Rescue Manager and he's been a volunteer lifeguard for 45 years. I'm here to find out what a typical summer day is like on the country's busiest beach and to look closer at the drowning figures. Water Safety New Zealand says 74 people drowned last year, 20 of them were in December. Beach drowning numbers were pretty much unchanged. But shockingly, more people died in rivers and lakes. And latest figures show New Zealand coastal drownings are far, far higher per capita than Australia's 44% higher. And nearly three in ten of us can't swim or float in the ocean for more than a few minutes. What a day. It's yes, it is. stormy it's... out there, aren't eh? you?
1: Yes, but um, the water is so warm, it's not funny. It's like 23 degrees, which... Because
0: it's been a blooming, incredible summer, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. I've come over here and um, I'm, I've taken myself off the uh, roster, but if anything goes down that's big and nasty, I'll, yeah. I'll have to stop it. But Yeah, yeah. No, that's, no, that's
0: fine. Yeah, gosh, this is, this is nice club room. It is, eh?
1: When we built the club, we focused on... Um, Family is really important, so when we're on patrol, our families can come here and spend time with us at lunchtime or whatever, or hang out. We always say to all our members, "Is um, you know, I can't, I can't afford to live beachfront. This is my beachfront property." Right. And and it's bonus being a volunteer because you get these types of facilities. It's part of. You know, yeah. what keeps people in the movement.
0: Yeah. So you you are patrolling 17 kilometres of yep. this beach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so you've got the flags out. Yes. And that's just a short area. Yes. It's very,
1: yep. quite so narrow,
0: especially on a day like today.
1: Yes. Yeah, good that you pointed out the flags are close together today because to make sure that we can guarantee everyone's safety, the flags are put close together so we keep them away from the rips. Mm. And only about 30 minutes ago... We had the flags over here, and we knew that with the turn of the tide, this rip's going to work. Yeah. So we've moved them over here where it's further away from that rip. Um, there's a small rip on the other side of the flags, and where they are at the moment, it's the safest place on this beach to swim.
0: I'm just looking out straight in front of the club here, Yeah. and the war- yeah, the waves are sort of breaking in all kinds of directions, aren't exactly. they?
1: Exactly, and that, that shows that that's a rip area. The reason why they're breaking in different directions is the, the current going back out to sea is distorting the wave coming in. Right. It's, it's not a very accurate perception that rips go straight out to sea. They don't. They zigzag or they Who go knows? off on, a, on an angle. And it, it all comes down to what is the shape of the bottom of the sea floor like? Because what happens is all this wave energy is coming in and each one of those waves got several hundred cubic tonnes of water coming in with it and it has to go somewhere. So when it comes in, over time, it works out the quickest area to get back out to sea. And generally, that's in a channel. Mm -hmm. And as more water goes out in that channel, it digs the channel out. Right. And over time, that channel gets more and more um, vivid and gouged. So that's what makes these rips. And so if you're coming down to the beach, Sandy Beach especially... Um, the rips aren't always in the same place. They move.
0: Any rescues yesterday?
1: No. When we get rescues, it's a little bit like a cricketer hitting a four off you, you know? It it doesn't lose the game, but it certainly makes the game not good on your score sheet. We try not to do rescues. We try to get towards people well before that. So yesterday and even today, we'll be patrolling along that 17 kilometres, and we'll be stopping and talking to people before they get into trouble, so they don't need to be rescued. And we'll be you know, explaining to them where there's a safe place to swim. We kind of put the the ambulance at the top of the cliff, rather yeah. than respond. Mount
0: Monganui must be one of the busiest beaches, especially in the summer holidays.
1: Hands down. Um, you know, We look at the west coast of the, the North Island, where we've got Pihas, Bethel's Beach, Murawai. They get reasonably good sized crowds but in comparison along this beach on a on a peak day you know we got forty fifty thousand people. Wow. So you know peak season we could have up to 70, 80 lifeguards, volunteer lifeguards patrolling that beach. You know, we've got good support from our community. Yeah. Which is essential. And I think that's that's really important. If you don't have community support for services like life saving and Coast Guard, you just can't run those services. Mm. Because we're not professional. And then you've got, outside of that, we have our sports programme. And it's all just learning, you know, through competition, how to get out there faster yeah. and learn to, to read the waves and all that type of stuff. You know, I, I could sit out there all day. I, I Literally, I could sit out. I'd love to sit out there all day. Oh, but what, too on busy. the water? Yeah, I can sit in there and, I to, and just be as happy as Larry. You know, <laughs> it's I love it. It's great fun. But we
0: should say at this point, Alan, that you... Today you're a a volunteer, but you're actually employed by the organisation. Yes.
1: I'm the National Search and Rescue Manager. Right. So I work with all of the search and rescue teams, so that's all the after-hours stuff. Um, And and well offshore, um, outside of our patrolling areas, um, our teams will respond to emergencies. The government has put some significant investment into search and rescue. It's, it's the government's and our commitment to looking after our volunteers because those guys and girls who go out, you know, at 9 o'clock at night in the worst weather you could possibly think, going to go and save lives. Mm. Um, they, up until recently, have been just doing it on the skin of, the smell of an oily rag and, and we, we don't want that. We want these people to stay in the movement mm. and we we're losing um, members because they're just burning out.
0: Yeah, it's quite intense, isn't it? Even just sitting here, it's... <laughs> It's quite, you know, because of the view that you've got of these people, and what, there'd be about, what, 50 people out in the water there? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they're all keep, keeping close to shore, but then you've got a, a surfer quite a way out.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And um, I see the jet skis going past at the moment. Would would he be just keeping a, an eye yeah, on so that what, surfer?
1: No, no. So uh, we're quite lucky. Surfies, um, surfies to get out... And that surf today. You have to be a really good water person. Ah, oh. so surfies are a major part of the coastal safety that our country has. Oh. They do so many rescues. Um, in actual fact, uh, Surf Life Saving New Zealand and Surfing New Zealand are teaming up, and we're running the surfers rescue program around the country just to help each other's organisation with regards to you know helping people in the water more. So that that means helping some of the surfers. Uh, Get a little bit more awareness mm. but also more from our perspective understanding where these surfies are doing these rescues so we can help them out right i'll just just get is
0: there something happening oh, i just
1: want them to know that that guy on the side beach patrol beach patrol this is alan over Speech receiving over yeah uh, can you just there's uh five people off to the right towards the mount um outside the flags and they're just slowly getting pulled into that rip can you just move them back into the flags please we
0: will go over what are you talking about here? So Alanis? see these
1: ones here. So they've just—they're just, they're just getting pulled into that rip at the moment. Yeah. So three of them—they're like, "Oh, this is—we're oh, going to yeah, walk against that." Just it. the kids. Yeah. And, yeah. But see the adult too. The adult yeah. is... previously—he was out over there. Yeah. And he's okay now because he's on the ground. But all he had to do was—if you go another maybe ten meters over—and yeah. that's where the hole is. Okay. If he would gotten in that hole. Now, if you look out the back, you'll see there's kind of dirty water. Yeah, That's yes. where the rip will end. Okay. So he would get taken out there. Um, now, we know that that's where that rip is, so all we're trying to do is to keep all these people on the other side of that flag. And you see the lifeguard now going, oi, move over here. Oh, yeah, here.
0: She's, um, yep. she's pointing the boy yes. and
1: she's waving them yep. over. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's just our buffer zone. Yeah. So people in there... No massive ass drama. You can see the tube swimmer out the back. Yeah. So they've already sent someone out before I even said anything. Yeah. What we do is we always kind of, if, if you see something going wrong, you say it. You don't assume that someone's seen it. Okay. But that's our buffer. Yeah. Now, you don't want to get anyone past that 10 metres because that's when things can get in trouble. You know, you only have to look at our stats. You know, hundreds of thousands of preventatives a year. And that's just the lifeguards going down and doing what you've just seen. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll talk about those stats in a minute, but let's just talk about this rip. So, say if one of those people had been um, carried out by yep. that rip,
1: what would have happened? So, um, the tube swimmer would have gotten to them? Yeah. And um, uh, they would have connected them in the tube. Now those rescue tubes—they can hold seven adults out of the water. Wow! Yeah, so they're super buoyant.
0: Those—they're yep. just kind of long strips yes. of what? Five? Well, they're, they're
1: like a specialised closed-cell foam, um, and they're. The reason, that's why we use them instead of you see old Baywatch with the Hasselhoff yeah. and he's got the plastic boy. That hopeless as anything. <laughs> but these things are great. So um, the tube simmer would signal for assistance. Um, and they would either decide to start swimming them in, mm. depending on where they are. Now, if they're right in the middle of the rip, they might say to the patients, we're going to go out. So they'll take them out to sea, away from the waves, so that we can pick them up in an IoB or on a jet ski without any hassle. Mm. See, so if, if you took them back in close and you're in the drop zone, picking them up and, and getting hammered isn't an ideal situation. No. So as soon as that tube swimmer is, is going to the, the rescue or the assist, the tower will automatically get the IRB or the jet ski to come in just as backup. Okay. So we've and always... how
0: quickly are you getting on to that?
1: Like oh, you're looking seconds. at... Seconds? Yeah, seconds. It's hard when you're on the water to see the risk and often people even though they, they may be really good swimmers some of these rips I can't swim against you know, mm. and I, I, I go and swim a couple of k's two or three times a week but from our vantage point, we can see you can see those people drifting out, mm. and um, that's why if, you know if a lifeguard approaches you and you don't think you're in trouble, that's cool. Just listen to what they're saying because they've got a lot of other evidence which might be telling them actually we're early in the in the stock. So, what
0: were they just saying just now on the um, on the loudspeaker?
1: Just warning people about the drift. We've been constantly warning them all day.
0: A friend of mine was out at one of the West Coast beaches in Auckland and watched these two kids on boogie boards get carried out and then the lifesaver went out and got them and she said that they just guided them back in. Yeah,
1: you know, boogie boards are great if people have got fins, you know, Ah. flippers. But the big problem that we have in, in New Zealand is you can buy a boogie board from a hundred different, you know, outlets, and you just get the boogie board and you give them to your kid. Um, great, such an easy thing to learn how to use. But when the children don't have their feet on the bottom of the um, sea floor, that's when the currents are going to take them all over the place. Sure. And when they get into trouble, often the the little kids will ditch their boogie board and try and swim. You know, even if you've got Kids out on boogie boards. Parents should be right close to them the whole time, mm.
0: yeah, you know, within
1: arm's length almost.
0: Well, how long have you been a, a lifesaver?
1: Crikey, uh, <laughs> about forty-five years.
0: In that time, what are the people? You call them patients, but what are the people like on the beach? Have they, have their attitudes or their abilities changed over that time?
1: I think their attitudes have changed. Yeah, the abilities sorry. haven't changed. Public are engaging with us a lot more, which is great. But well. What I do see time and time again is the New Zealand male overestimating their ability by huge amounts.
0: So, what do you mean by that? They go out there, right out past the waves, and yep,
1: yeah, And then when, to- when 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 things go wrong, um, they can't get themselves out of that that situation.
0: Right. Um,
1: and and that's what leads to a lot of um, big rescues, fatalities, all of that. That that they make up the bulk of what our top-end work is. We're seeing a lot more toys out there, which people, which is great, but with that, every toy, there, there has to be a, a backup plan, like whether it's a life jacket, if you've got a stand-up paddle board, or is it a leash, all those things that people aren't considering if something goes wrong. You know, we put a, light, a seatbelt on in our car because in case something goes wrong. And, and we'd like people to take that same attitude when they go to the water.
0: When I look at stand up paddlers, I mean a lot of, most of them I've seen don't wear um, life jackets.
1: No. And I like I I love my ski paddling. What's um, ski paddling? So that's the big long like a sit on kayak. Oh yeah. You know? When I go out, um, I'll have my life jacket on. I'll have and it carries a water system, so that's all good. But I'll have a phone and I'll take a PLB with me. You know, even at lunchtime when I go for a paddle in the middle of the day. I'll see people on stand-up paddle boards in the same environment, with not even a leg rope on their board. Wow! And it's like, well, if you got blown off that board, that board's gone. You're there by yourself. Yeah. The paddle's not going to help you. It doesn't take much to tool up.
0: I think it's the whole Kiwi can-do thing. Oh no, we'll be right. We know how to swim.
1: We know there's a difference between being able to swim, the skill of swimming, mm. and the fitness of swimming. And that's where New Zealand public are missing the mark. Is Just because you've been taught to swim doesn't mean 30 years later you can still swim 200 metres. Unless you're swimming 200 metres or more regularly, you cannot swim competently out the back of the waves. And that's where we're seeing a lot of people making that disconnect. Is uh, Skill is one thing, but that goes when you're panicking. Mm.
0: Let's talk about the numbers because we've had... Record drownings this yes. summer, yep. tragically. But what about the actual uh, sea drownings?
1: We haven't seen an increase in our coastal beach drownings over that period.
0: So what, what do you put that down to?
1: We put it down to the public listening to the lifeguards and following the lifeguards' instructions. Uh, and obviously our volunteers have been doing an, a massive job you know, early days we used to start patrolling at 10 and finish at 4. Now we, we don't finish till 6 on the east coast, sometimes 7 o'clock. West coast, gosh, they're going till 7, 30, 8 o'clock. And if you go to places where we've had those drownings, um, even on the beach drownings, they're well away from our patrolled area. And that's the thing that I think we, we really need to get across is rivers are dangerous to swim in. Lakes have got currents too and, and a lot of entrapment areas where people think they can dive in, everything's dandy and then boom you get trapped in weeds or logs and all sorts of things. So what about the other numbers? Yeah the other numbers are really high. There's three major measures that we do. We've got the rescues, which we don't want to see, mm. and they've picked up a bit. We've got the assists which you've just seen. Yep. So our guys going out and they ride up, so it shows the lifeguards are controlling that environment. Um, if Why we were are those to,
0: up, though? What? Because
1: our, because we've got large numbers. So more people, um, more um, people going into the hazard, so we have to work a bit harder to keep them away from that hazard. But if you've got huge numbers next to any kind of hazard, there's going to be people who fall off the edge, the so to speak. Yeah. And our job is to support our lifeguards when that happens because it's still traumatic for everybody involved, including our volunteers. You know, you're looking yeah. around here. We we try really hard not to put our 16, 15, 17 year old lifeguards in in one of those operations because it's it's horrific. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, back in the 1800s, drowning was called the New Zealand disease. Really. And it still is. People ask me, oh, what should we do now? I'm bloody good at patrolling and rescuing, but we need all our faculties within New Zealand to put the head to the grindstone to come up with what is the root cause of the problem. Like we talked about the paddleboarders. What is it that we need to do so that when the paddleboarder who I saw the other day on the water, with his boardies, paddling away, you know, we were a good probably 500, 600 metres offshore, what was he thinking, and how do we change that thought? That's what we've, we've got to do. We've got to somehow get in their heads to realise that actually this is a real problem. You don't want to see more regulations, do you? Well, yes and no, because if we have a look at Australia, they've got some really strict regulations with regards to wearing life jackets. You know, that guy I saw the other day wouldn't be able to do that in Australia. He'd get fined. Now, I'd rather pay a $200 fine than have, you know, my family miss me forever because I've fallen off and drowned, you know. And um, we've been fighting that for ages, you know. Make it, for God's sake, when you're on a boat, wear a life jacket.
0: Mm. Well, Isn't it mandatory on a boat or not?
1: No, no, it's only mandatory in certain areas. Look, it's quite confusing. So you can conceivably go from one area out to sea come back in to another area which is managed by a different regional council and be breaking their laws, their bylaws it has to move up to a national platform so that there's one law for the whole country yes there'll be those people who grizzle and moan and all that type of stuff but crikey, see it from our side, see it from when you drag that body out of the water and you hear that family howling away because they've lost someone forever it's horrific that's what we've got to stop, and it's happening way too often in our country.
0: So, are you saying that you want to see laws that make it mandatory for anybody on a boat, and what a boat is anything from stand-up paddleboard higher, that who's on, whoever's on that boat, has to wear a life jacket?
1: What I'm saying is we need to look at what are other similar jurisdictions overseas doing to achieve a much better per head capita ratio and, and apply what they're doing. I mean, we're not that much different from Aussies. Look at the carnage that we're, we're facing. Look at what's happened this year. It's travesty. Life jacket wearing is just one of the many facets that we have to cut into this diamond to get to where you need to get to.
0: So, OK, life jackets, what else? What else Signage,
1: you know, uh-huh. a lot of those areas where people have come unstuck, um, signage would help. It strikes me along this coastline, and I'm going to put it out there, that I can go just about to every single exit and there's a warning sign about the tsunami and where to go. But we can't put along each one of those beach areas, major accesses, warning, watch out you know, some simple information about rips and who to call.
0: Why? Why can't you do that?
1: The council We're, won't let you. The council haven't engaged to the level that they, they're implementing that. Mate, i challenge the council. Show me how many people have died in this area from tsunamis, and I will show you how many have died from rips outside the patrolled area. Our, our drowning stats are probably quite similar to the road statistics at the moment. Compare the two budgets. <laughs> mm. You're talking a hundredfold difference or even more in, in roading. I can tell you now, Australia spend a lot more in the community and in the services to prevent drownings in their country than what we do. You know, you go to Australia, and I'm not saying we should do it here, but they have gaming for us, uh, gaming machines and all of their... So they're, they're allowed to generate money... Um, through their facilities. Are you saying that you
0: would like gaming facilities in no. clubs?
1: No, what I'm saying is where we are in the, in the coastal line, a lot of the clubs, um, because of bylaws, aren't allowed to run businesses, whether it be cafes or even a pie shop or anything like that, to bring passive income into the club. Mm. We can't do that. It's Like I said, there's many facets to the problem, but I think we really have to sit down as a, as a country... Um, and spend the time to put the the infrastructure together to capture the problems so we can slowly start addressing them. We're all trying to crack that nut with the resources we've got and we haven't been able to successfully do it yet, hence the, the numbers.
0: That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded by NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Alexia Russell produced this episode, Rungi Poik engineered it. And thanks to Alan Mundy for his time at Omanu Surf Life Saving Club. As someone who's been in serious trouble in the water, I urge you listen to the warnings, take heed. Matewa